Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is March 9th, 2020, and setting aside time for you today, I guess we could say saving time for you today, is my friend, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Hello, Jen. How are you? <laughs> I could see you laughing. As that is I delightful. <laughs> I thought, what's she going to do? How's she going to introduce me? That's exactly what we're doing. We're saving time today. Because, of course, by the time you're listening to this, you will be staggering around because daylight saving time, at least in the United States, began yesterday. Yes. And this is the infamous spring forward. I love daylight savings time because it keeps things brighter here later. And in Minnesota, in early March, that's really nice. Yes. Every little bit of sunlight helps. I'll take it. Every minute of sunlight you can wring out of the sky. Yes. And I'm happy to give that to you as a gift, my friend. It is worth <laughs> my being confused for an entire week. <laughs> you are not the only one. <laughs> yes. Well, enjoy that. And before we get started, I wanted to make a clarification about something we talked about on episode 14, Retrograde Minds Kasimi Hearts Can't Lose. Which is a Friday Night Lights reference for people that don't know that. Thank you. We were hoping some people would get that because it's one of our mutual favorite shows. I could resist getting it in there. Yeah, you know, Clear Minds. How does it go? Oh, Clear Minds, Open Hearts Can't Lose. We don't even know. Clear Eyes, Full Hearts Can't Lose. Oh. I just loved him. Coach Taylor. Everything I know about life and leadership I learned from Coach Taylor. He was fantastic. I think people can safely assume if there is a show title they don't understand and seems weird to them, it's some TV show or movie (laughs) that we like. So listener Dora left a comment on the website about that episode. Yes, she took our final dispositor idea to the test that we discussed at some length in that episode. And she had some issues with the chart she was working with. And thank you, Dora, for your comment. Yes, we appreciate it. It seems that I said that if you had one planet in its rulership and no mutual receptions, then the planet in its rulership would be the final dispositor. Mm -hmm. Hard stop. And shockingly, with Mercury and Pisces and retrograde, it (laughs) seems that I misspoke slightly. Because I should say that if your chart has a final dispositor, it will meet those conditions. It'll be the only planet in its rulership and there'll be no mutual reception. But as Dora's example showed, and you can read it on the website and comments, BigSkyAstropod.com. Yes. You could actually get these little planetary loops that can result in not having a final dispositor. Even if you have one planet in rulership and no mutual receptions, it's not a dead cert that that planet in its rulership is going to be your final dispositor. So we just wanted to clear that up. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested in knowing more about that, go and read that comment thread because I did give sort of an extensive explanation. April, you gave a very thoughtful, long comment. So go to BigSkyAstropod.com and click on episode 14 and you can read those comments. Yeah. It's wonderful if you have questions or things that the episode gets you thinking about, please do respond in comments because it gives everybody a chance to jump in and we can kind of have a discussion about it, which is a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah. So thanks for giving us a chance to clarify that. Yes. Well, we have some exciting news this week for Moonwatch. Yes. We have a theme song. Let's play it right now. (laughs) 
So this week we have a full moon at 19 degrees, 37 minutes of Virgo on March 9th. Mm -hmm. So we begin the week on a full moon. It's just about 1047 in the morning Pacific time. Pacific daylight time, I might add. Correct. <laughs> so here we are at a full moon in Virgo, and a full moon is always about awareness and illumination and what we see. And I always think with Virgo, it's about an awareness of what needs fixing in our lives, what we could tighten up. Discernment. What we can make more workable. Mm -hmm. And seeing ways also to be of better use, to be a better service to those around us, to the people we work with, and also some physical problems can come to light. I was telling you before we started recording about, you know, a physical thing I had that came up when I was out of town yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And I think that's sort of fitting going into this full moon and Virgo season, because if you have health problems around a Virgo time, it is usually because of habits that you formed that are not supportive of good health. Oh, that makes sense because Virgo's the sixth house and the sixth house is daily habits. You got it. There are lots of ways we can look at health in the chart. But the reason we do associate Virgo with that, I think part of it is because of this thing of, are you living your life in a way that you have formed good, healthy habits, healthy habits that support your financial situation, your physical health, the work that you do, your family alliances, all of that mm -hmm. can be traced back to Virgo and to the sixth house. So I think at this full moon, it makes sense that we're seeing if you have been a little bit run down because you're burning it at both ends, or if your life's a little chaotic and not really in alignment with your higher goals, you might tend to see some interesting physical things that become illuminated at this time. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I like the Sabian symbols for this full moon very much. What are they? The Sabian symbol for the moon itself is 20 Virgo, an automobile caravan, which speaks to me <laughs> kind of like it. It talks to me about moving ahead to a common destination. What do you think when you hear that? It reminds me of my friends and I in high school and in college. We would travel to New York City to see theater. Oh. And on at least one trip, and I want to say it was maybe two, we took a caravan of bands and drove out to New York City from the Milwaukee area. I'm from the Milwaukee area and saw some theater. So that makes me think of that. And it's a really warm memory that I love and the sense of sort of community with others and mm -hmm. traveling together to a common destination. Yeah, it's like a wagon train. <laughs> right. Or even that thing of you've all gone to dinner as friends because you're going to go to a concert afterwards or something. Yeah. And then you kind of follow each other on the freeway in your car. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's always this thing about going to a common destination with an automobile caravan. Mm -hmm. And then the symbol for 20 Pisces, which is where the sun will be at the full moon, is a table set for an evening meal. Mm -hmm. So again, this sense of a communal experience. And since it is in Virgo, I think of, again, to use a word that we emphasized a couple of episodes ago, it's about sitting together in fellowship. <laughs> Do you like how I did that? I like how you threw that in, yes. Your friend will enjoy that for a common purpose and uh -huh. probably a helpful and service-oriented one. So rather than necessarily going to a concert or going to the theater or, or whatever, this would be more the image of a lot of people going together to 
say, a march, a protest march or something that brings everybody together in some kind of communal enterprise. They're both a sense of arrangement with others. Yeah, the planning that has to go into, which Virgo likes planning those little details of getting the GPS in place and everybody sort of in their little line going down the road. Yeah. I just love, I mean, how can I not love a table set for an evening meal? That's so lovely. (laughs) It's a nice thought. I love everything about that. That's my ideal evening with friends is sitting together at dinner. And we love to have people over here to the house and candles all along the table and everybody chit-chatting. It's just lovely. I love that too. Yeah. So that is our full moon in Virgo for this week. So here's my question for the full moon in Virgo Mm. this week. Mm -hmm. It's probably making friendly aspects to all of those Capricorn planets, huh? It will indeed. And to Venus and Taurus. Oh, Venus and Taurus. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of nice. I actually did not look at the chart for the full moon, but it's actually pretty closely in opposition to Neptune. So the sun will be together with Neptune. And they'll be opposed the moon. Yeah. So the moon gets to say, to the extent that you've been walking around in your little haze, this is the time Virgo cuts through with some clarity. Mm-hmm. I've been reading Marie Forleo's book, which is called Everything is Figure Outable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds very Virgo to me. It's yeah. like, yeah, it all seems a little overwhelming and chaotic and fuzzy when it's experienced in a Neptunian way, which is like this big cloud. But Virgo is expert at sitting down and parsing it into little bite-sized bits that make sense. And if you just focus on those, then you don't get so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. One step at a time, yeah. Yeah. And Mercury rules Virgo. Mm-hmm. I see on the show sheet here that Mercury is turning direct, which means it's stationing around the time of the full moon. Right. Very good observation, Jen. Thank you. It sort of soups up. I think that full moon in Virgo a little bit Mm. because Virgo's ruler is very powerful on that day because it stations to turn direct at 8.48 p.m. Pacific time at 28. On March 9th, the same day. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it does say that these are more powerful forces than it may appear at first glance, Mm -hmm. that there is more oomph behind it, that there's more of a sense of finally turning around in this area of life. So if you look at, for instance, the house of your chart that has 19 degrees of Virgo in it, and there's a blog post on my website that we'll link to in the show notes that we've, I think we've shared before about how to find this in your chart. Yeah. You can say in that area of your life that's symbolized by that house, you're suddenly able to move forward in a more productive, probably way because it's Virgo. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mercury's turning direct. It's been on this journey. It entered its shadow on February 3rd. Then it turned retrograde on February 16th. It entered Aquarius on its retrograde journey on March 4th. We talked about that in our last episode. And then it turns direct on March 9th and will leave its shadow as of March 30th. So at the end of it all, we will have ended up having two full months of a very Mercury retrograde feeling time. When you normally talk about an aspect happening, you always round up to the next degree. If a planet is moving backwards, do you go down the degree below it, or do you still round up? I still round up. You see why I would ask that, though. No, I totally understand it. It's moving backwards towards the lesser degree. Are you talking about rounding up with regard to the Sabian symbols? I guess just in general, even when people write things on blogs and stuff. I can see why you would ask that. Yeah. I don't, though. Because it's moving in that direction, not mm-hmm. that direction. I'm pointing. Nobody can see that except for <laughs> It means a lot to me, though, Jen. So Thanks, April. Thank you. Thank you. I'm digging that. No, I don't. And really, if we were being proper, 
we wouldn't round at all. Sure. Other than with the Sabian symbols, we always round up. Okay. Yeah, but I don't because a lot of people probably don't really think too much about degrees and minutes. So we're talking to a few people here. And if folks would like an explanation of the shadow period, they can listen to episode number three, Alexa, play Love the One You're With. That was one of my favorites. I liked that episode. Was it? Yeah, because we got (laughs) sassy with Alexa, as I recall, (laughs) towards the end of the episode. Well, neither one of us trusted her. No, we didn't, as we shouldn't. But I think it was like episode three or something. Yes, it was episode three. So a lot of people who are listening to us now may not have had a chance to dig into our archives and enjoy that sassy little episode. So you might enjoy it. And just so folks know, there is something in each episode that would be good to learn. So you can always go back. Yeah, the show sheets are pretty good at delineating everything that's in the episode. So even if you're no longer interested in knowing exactly what happened the week of December 23rd, or to pick a random example, it still is worth looking at at least the episode description on the website Mm -hmm. and seeing what else we say is in there. December 23rd would have been episode five, Unboxing Eclipses. How do you know that? Or are you looking it up? No, I'm not looking it up. I just know it. Jen, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, the incredible Jen. But I'm bump. I'll be here all week. (laughs) Don't forget to tip your waitress. Okay, so... Before you move on, April, I have one more question about Mercury turning direct. Okay. Which is, if folks have been putting off a decision or purchasing something, the station is also not a good time to make final decisions and final purchases if it can wait, right? Wait a couple days and then move forward with that. All things being equal. Sure. All things being equal. Yeah. The day that a planet is stationing just speaks of instability. It says it's neither here nor there. It's in kind of a limbo period. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Things are trying to resolve. But they're shifting from one state to another. So yeah, if you have the chance to wait a couple of days before signing that contract or buying that new car or that new laptop or whatever you're doing, then by all means, wait. Mercury's in purgatory. (laughs) (laughs) I'm cutting that out, but I have to say it. (laughs) Don't cut it out. I think it's fantastic. He is in one of the rings of hell. Poor Mercury. Okay, moving on. We are very Catholic, aren't we? So Catholic. There are a flurry of other aspects this week. There are a few sextile aspects, and I'm just going to touch on them very briefly. Awesome. The sun will sextile Jupiter on March 11th, which brings together the energy of the sun, you know, our core of creativity and sense of self and all of that in a helpful relationship with Jupiter, which is very life-affirming, very joyful tends to want to expand. So it says, be more creative, be more yourself. And that will usually come to a good end when you have a sextile. The sun will sextile Pluto on March 14th, which says the same messages, but it's around empowerment. Ah. So to the extent that you are yourself and own who you are and put your creative energy out, that will empower you, in fact. Okay. And Mars sextile Neptune on March 14th which is, I think, about letting intuition guide our forward motion. So if you're working on a particular project, this would be a good day to tap into more intuitive parts of your thinking instead of strictly a really logical one. Mm -hmm. And it's probably a really creative day. And then Venus finally is sextile the North Node on March 9th, the same day as the full moon and Mercury turning direct. So it's probably going to get lost in a lot of that noise, to be honest with you. Sure. But, you know, since Venus is going through Taurus and asking us to enjoy the simple things in life, 
that are available to us that don't cost anything, that are just wonderful, going out into nature or whatever it might be. To the extent that you're able to do that, that can move you further into the direction of something you've been wanting to accomplish, because that's the energy of the North Node. That's the North Node in Cancer, so maybe it's about reaching out and being more in community with others. Lovely. I didn't really want to spend a lot of time on each one of those aspects this week, but I thought it would be a great opportunity to just give a little mini lesson on the sextile aspect. Please do. So let's talk about sex tiles. <laughs> No. <laughs> you don't want us to have an explicit <laughs> rating. Sextiles. Sextiles refer to the relationship between planets that are separated by 60 degrees. So we have a 360 degree wheel, and we give that an orb of about five degrees either way. So between 55 and 65 degrees, near enough. So it would be basically two signs away on the wheel. Yes. And can you explain for folks what an orb is? An orb is how much scoosh room you're going to get. Scoosh room, nice. So the exact aspect is at 60 degrees, but very often it's really close. It's within a couple of degrees. You're still going to experience this aspect. Yeah. People fight about orbs. You know, astrologers, one of the things we really like to argue about. The one that I settled on for sextiles is about five degrees. I've been known to go to six degrees if it's the sun or the moon or Jupiter that's involved. Okay. And what made you settle on that? Felt right, looked right, worked right. In your experience, it was working that way. Yeah, it was kind of working that way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this varies from person to person as well. I've really found that people experience orbs differently. Some people will experience and transit in advance more than after. Hmm. And other people really feel it on its way out. So it can be very individual from chart to chart. Okay. But use your common sense. If it's Venus and it's very strong by sign, as Venus is right now in Taurus, and it's sextiling something, we might give it a little bit more of an orb because we think she's a little more powerful at the moment. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So the name sextile is because the aspect of a sextile splits the 360 degree wheel into six equal parts. That's where the sex part of it comes from. We're not talking explicitly. We're talking astrologically here. That's right. And the key words that I associate with a sextile are opportunity, always. That's one of the biggest ones. Attraction, friendship, expression, a kind of a spark, a kinetic spark between the two planets. They are kind of of the nature of Gemini and Aquarius, hmm. sextiles are. They're communicative and they're friendly. So they speak of communication between the planets, and it's a friendly aspect because it's usually happening between planets that are in signs of complementary element. And this takes us back to our discussion about elements a couple of episodes ago. Which I can link in the show notes. And we talked about how fire is very complementary with air and earth with water. Yes. So if you see, for instance, the sun in Pisces is making a sextile with Jupiter in Capricorn, something in the water element with something in the earth element. Now, because of the magic of orbs, this isn't always going to be the case. So for instance, you could have a planet at 28 degrees of Aries. Yes. And it could be making a sextile aspect to something that is in the early degrees of Pisces. That's why orbs become important. Wait, if it's in Aries, it wouldn't be sextiling. Oh, I see. It's almost in Taurus at that point. Yes, gotcha. That's what's difficult. We call those dissociate aspects. They're out of sign. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a blog post about that that we could link to as well. Perfect. So the way it was explained to me is that a sextile is like a cross between a trine and a square. 
A square happens at 90 degrees and a trine happens at 120. And you get the benefits of a trine if you do the work of a square. That's how a sextile works. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Hold on. You'll get get the the benefits benefits of of a trine if you do the work of a square. Right. Lovely. All it says is this is an opportunity that exists to get something good, but you have to put some effort into it. Mm -hmm. Got it. You can have somebody offering you a free dinner at a local restaurant. Wonderful benefit, but you have to say yes and leave the house and go to the restaurant. So it's something Uh like that. They're not bringing it to your house. It's not like a DoorDash thing. There's some effort involved. Yeah. So we say when planets are in sextile, there's a compatibility, there's a kinship, there's a friendship between them, but it takes some effort. You have to do something with them. I want to back up for a second. You said it's of the nature of Gemini and Aquarius, which I think is really interesting because I've never heard sextiles described using the nature of a particular sign. Mm Mm-hmm. I got that from my friend Kelly O'Tillery, and she had read it in a book, Mm. and I cannot remember the author, and I'll find it, and we'll link in the show sheets. Yeah. Because I thought it was a good idea, too. So the idea, again, is if you're using, say, Aries as your reference point, that's shorthand in astrology for ground zero. That's our reference point from which we define everything else. Right. It's the front door. Yeah. So what are the signs that would be sextile Aries? On the back side, it would be Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And on the front side, it would be Gemini. So that's why they're of the nature of those two signs. Thank you. Yeah. Did you see my aha moment there? Yeah, I did. I could just see (laughs) sparks are shooting out of your head as we speak. (laughs) That made a lot of sense. And it's a helpful way to understand aspects, I think, because everybody understands signs. Yeah. Okay. So then would we say... A trine would be of the nature of... What are the signs that are trine Aries? Oh, so it would be of the nature of Leo and Sag. Yeah. Sagittarius. Right. Because you start at Aries and you go Mm -hmm. around the circle. You got it. Nice, April. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. We touched on that idea briefly when we were talking about quincunx at one point. Because I was saying they were kind of of the nature of Virgo and Scorpio. And it's the same thing. It all just sunk in on a whole new level. Oh, I'm so delighted to hear that. Sometimes we talk about things and they sink in at one level. And then a few weeks (laughs) later, we might talk about it again. And it just all comes in at a whole new level. And we talk about it again and realize we were totally wrong the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Because everything. Talk about it again, yes. (laughs) Because Mercury was retrograde and whatnot. Well, now... I would like to tie up this episode and bring it to a lovely conclusion by reminding everybody that this is the week that we have Pi Day, which we talked about way too much in our last episode. So we won't be labored here, but we want to remind you that on March 14th, you should have a slice of pie and think of us. And why is it called Pie Day? Oh, don't make me talk about math. It's a math thing. You talk about it. Pi, P-I, 3.14. Yeah. And Pi, P-I-E, the pie. Always add the E. It just makes it so much more enjoyable. (laughs) It's as easy as pie, P-I. It really is. And I had another fantastic piece of coconut cream pie, I must say, while I was away. So shout out to Apple Farms Restaurant in San Luis Obispo, because this was some piece of pie. It was a whole little pie. 
It was a mini pie. That's awesome. Well, we really want to thank all of you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. And we wanted to put out an appeal to folks to please consider making a small contribution to help keep the show going. Maybe you can spare the price of a cup of coffee once a month. Maybe you can do more and cover one or two other listeners who aren't able to contribute at this time. Just go to BigSkyAstropod.com and you can even contribute as little as a dollar to help out. And we love that too. We love it. We love it. And as always, look for our little avatar in the sidebar and that will link you directly to the place where you can make your donation. Right. Anyway, if it's not possible for you to make a financial donation, we totally respect that. There are all kinds of ways you could help out in supporting the show that don't cost anything and we would really appreciate as well. Yes. We are available in Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places you would normally get your podcasts. And you can listen to at our website, bigskyastropod.com. And you can subscribe in one of these podcatchers and just take one second to give us a five-star review if your podcatcher offers that. And please tell a friend. That would be really great. You can read show notes and full transcripts of each episode and leave your comments, as Dora did, about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. So please join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.